Good morning. church and friends. I'd like to say uh, welcome to all our visitors. We have several visitors who are visiting during the holiday. We're so happy you come to worship God with us and uh, we hope that you stick around so that we can uh, converse with you and get to know you better. All right, the countdown is on. I know you kids are counting down, and you cannot wait to get up under that Christmas tree. Now listen, uh, I'm going to share something with you, you young people. You probably don't realize, uh, uh, Mama and Daddy do not like waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> they, they, they really don't. So, 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 so try to kind of hold off a little bit, at least until 5 a.m., all right? And don't be upset if you see your parents under the Christmas tree before you, all right? They got a little bit of that, that, that Christmas feeling also. But there are other people during this holiday period, feels, they feel all empty inside. I know many of us think about the birth of Christ, we remember that, but people feel that they feel incomplete. They feel that something is missing in their life. And, and, and they do not know Jesus. And I want to say this, and I hope you understand. I'm going back to when I was a kid. Uh, we used to say, try Jesus, he's all right. We also used to say, Jesus is a way maker. He makes a way out of no way. We also understood we had to take up our cross and follow him. What I want to say to these people who feel empty, who, who tried the world and, and everybody's so happy and fun-loving in the world and they say, I don't know what's going on. I feel out of place. You feel out of place because you are. It's time to, to wake up and realize there's more to life than what the world has to offer. The world offers you a dead end, but Jesus offers you everlasting life, happiness, freedom, and 
more so, he offers you peace. So I want you to think about this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave it right there, and it's up to you, 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 to share that with them. And let me say this, if you're listening on our channel, don't go by what people say. They'll tell you you need to do this and that. Go in the Word, the New Testament. Go there and see what God says you need to do to be saved. I love y'all. And before we're led in our opening prayer, we'll sing the first and the third verse. Father, we have all gathered here this morning out of our great love for you. You are our holy God. Everything that we have that is good comes from you, and we are so grateful for that. We thank you for your Son, our Savior, who took it upon himself to pay the price for sin that we rightly deserve. Heavenly Father, we have quite a list on our sick. We ask for healing on them, but especially Missy, who is struggling a little bit with pneumonia. What a champion for Christian living, she says. We pray for Lex as he recovers, mindful, of course, of all those that you have healed. Some names we don't know, but we know that you've healed them, and we're grateful to you. We want to pray for the first responders, our Lord, the doctors and nurses and firemen and the police, and right now our soldiers. Please keep them safe. We pray for our children. The time of troubles coming upon them. We ask, O oh Lord, you remind them that you are stronger than any sin that may come their way, and put in their hearts a memory of you and your Son. We thank you, God, for this day. We are so blessed, far beyond what we deserve. We ask that you be with us this day. 
Guard, guide, and direct us. In Christ's name, amen. So as you can tell already, for many of you that are familiar with our order of worship, it's a little different today. Today, we're going to be taking small little looks at different scriptures as we build the narrative, as we build the, um, the story of the birth of Jesus. And really, my goal today is not to give you a, uh, a sermon that's going to teach you all these things you never knew, because most of us know the story well. But what I really would like for us to do is really think about the way that the scriptures set up not only the songs that we sing, but just the life in general. Let's get to the human side of this life. Of course, we know that Jesus was the Son of God, but let's get to the human side of this life. And I wanted to start with uh, Matthew chapter 1. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as, she, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And that is beautiful scripture. It's scripture that is fun to read, especially this time of year. But it also paints a stark reality to the life that they were living at the time. You know, Mary was a young girl and she had done everything right. She had waited for marriage. She was a virgin. Her fiance, Joseph, has just heard the news that his betrothed, that his fiance was pregnant. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes just for a second. You just so happened to pick the one woman in all the land that was chosen to be the virgin birth? What would your instant reaction be? You saw what Joseph's was. His was, I'll divorce her quietly. I'll annul this. Wouldn't that have been yours? And then think about Mary. She's going through town. I mean, she might be able to hide it for a little while, but how long does it take before she can't hide it? And during this time, if you think it's bad now, imagine being back then. Imagine the murmurs. Imagine the gossip. Imagine her being the talk of the town. And what has she done wrong? You know, she deals with the scorn of the truth. 
Joseph deals with the scorn of the truth. You know how many people probably said to Joseph, Joseph, what are you doing? Just, just end this and move on. And yet he kept telling the truth. Imagine being in that position. And I can't help but think at this moment. I know not everybody in here has had a child, but most of us probably have, right? You remember that first baby? You remember the excitement of that first baby? I mean, sure, there was a lot of things along the way that were a little different that you weren't ready for, like the um, emotions that were to come, the sickness, the lack of sleep, the stress, the nesting, the poo-poo diapers, the weird cravings, you name it, but there's a lot of excitement there's a lot of excitement in that moment. I bet they're excited. I bet they were tired of the scorning from, the, from, the, the, from their peers. And ultimately, I bet you, just like you, just like me, they were literally counting down the days because they couldn't wait for baby Jesus to come. Imagine your own firstborn and then imagine knowing it's going to be the Son of God. I bet they couldn't wait. There is a chapter 2 verse 1 in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration from Quirinus was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town and Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. You know, every time I get to this point, I think, why now? Why now? Do you ever think that? Why now? Why at this moment? I mean, God is in control. He's in control of Caesar just as much as he's in control of anything else. And here's this decree that comes out. When? Just in time. Just in time. For Joseph and Mary to have to make that trip. In that last trimester, in those last days, maybe they walked. You know, the pictures like this is, this is the famous picture. Maybe she rode on a donkey led by her husband. Think that was fun? Imagine being nine months pregnant on a donkey. Feeling like your water could break at any moment? I'm being serious. Why then? Of course we know why Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem David? Why Bethlehem prophecy? But why then? Couldn't it have happened early enough that they could have went in, got settled, found a nice place to live for the time being? Jesus could have been born like all regular people, not in a barn. But this is where it was. And you ask the question again, why now? And I want to tell you something that is clear to this moment to me. And that is that sometimes God's will for you in your life and the things that God asks you to do to complete his will for you in your life don't always come at the most convenient times. So Jesus gets all the way by Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. And there's no place for him. Didn't God know? Why didn't God create a room? Why wasn't there room? Nobody was expecting the Messiah. That's what the songwriters write today. It's like everybody, nobody realized that today was the day or they would have made room. But this was the will of God for him to be born in this way. For him to be born in this place. For him to be born at this time. Isn't it so funny that I don't know how you feel, but the prettiest things I see every year at Christmas time, even though they might not be the most biblically accurate, is the nativity. A baby being born in a barn, surrounded by animals and stink. but being worshipped by all who saw him. 
So Jesus is born in a manger, quietly. No one knows. He's just there. The Son of God has just been born. Where's the procession? Where's the celebration? Where is everybody? Verse 8 says of Matthew 2, and in the same region there were Shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. And this is where we know this was the will of God for him to be in that exact place. That scene was the will of God. Not just because there was no room. It was the will of God. I want you to see that. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Put yourself in that moment for one second. There's not a picture in the world that can do this moment justice. This is the announcement of the birth of Christ and it's just to a few shepherds out in the field. But realize this, 
First of all, they have that moment with the single angel, if you will. They have that moment where they see this, the, the, this messenger of God and, and the glory of God is shining. It's all around them to the point to where they're in fear and they're trembling. They're terrified for their lives. What is this in front of me? And then they get the announcement. What you're experiencing is because the most amazing thing in all of the world, what you think in front of you is amazing, but what you are actually experiencing is to announce the most amazing thing in all the world. And probably just as they're getting used to this moment, this appearance, this statement is made, and then the heavens open up. And it's not just one. It's not just a few. It's a multitude of angels in heaven. All praising Jesus Christ. For what he's going to do. For me and you. What a moment that must have been. the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. <clears throat> and they went, <coughs> excuse me, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. So they're sharing their experience that they just had with the angels and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Who's all? You see, 
There's more people there than you think. It's not just Mary and Joseph sitting there by themselves at this point in time. Mary and Joseph already knew. Mary had her own experience with an angel. Joseph had his own experience with an angel. They're going, yeah, I get it. We had that moment too. But there's other people. There's other things happening. And people are starting to see that this is not just a birth of a child literally born in a barn like every time you left your door open and your mom yelled at you. There's something different going on here. And people knew it when they saw it. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You see, they have their experience. They have their moment. And then they got to go and they got to seek. They got to go and they got to find. They're out in the fields. Now they got to go into Bethlehem and they got to find this baby just the way they were told it would be. You see, they didn't just believe because they had this amazing experience and, and let's not downplay the experience that they just had and if me or you just had that experience we would probably be pretty convinced ourselves wouldn't you would you even need to go into Bethlehem but they did they went and they sought it out they went to make sure that not just that they had this experience but that what was said during the experience actually checked out and when they get there and it checks out they have to share it they have to share it. They can't hold it in. And they're sharing it with everybody. And everybody is hearing the things that are being said about this child. And they're believing it. Because after all, why would the shepherds have any reason to lie? What do they gain? They had to tell it. Because they knew what they were seeing was the truth. They had to share it because they knew others needed to hear it. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? See, they were expecting everybody to know what was going on, but nobody really knew what was going on. For we saw his star when it arose, and have come to worship him. 
So there's a star that is announcing the birth, not just the birth, but literally the location, which I want you to see before we ever read it ourselves. Not just the birth, not just here's the star that comes up that gives the wise men the journey, the time to get there. But the star comes up to show the location. For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. You can see the math just working in his head. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. You see, he sold this and don't miss this. He sold this. The wise men, as wise as they were, they believed Herod. He sold this to them. They had every intention of going and finding Jesus and coming back and telling him exactly where he was. And after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them. Look at this. Until it came to rest over the place where the child was. You know, I don't know who else that star was for, but it was certainly for them. And it didn't just mark baby Jesus. It marked where he was for them. When they saw, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, not the barn, which is why it's after the birth. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, and being warned in a dream. Why? Because Herod had sold it to him. And they were going to go back. But being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, first of all, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Gold king, frankincense, high priest, myrrh, death. Got to know that. These weren't random gifts. These weren't by people who had no faith. These were people who knew the scriptures. These were people who understood the prophecies. These were people who were waiting on the Messiah. And when they saw the star in the sky that was the sign of the Messiah, they dropped everything and they went on a journey. And I don't know how long that journey was. It doesn't tell us exactly where they came from. But they went on a journey. How many days did it take? I don't know. Do you know? Nobody knows. It took days, though. At the very least, days. How far east were they from? I don't know. How many were there? I don't know. Some say three because there's three gifts. Maybe there was. Maybe there was 20. Maybe there was 100. I don't know. Maybe there's only two. There's clearly not one or it would be wise man, not wise men. That's all you got. But here's where we go. 
They went on a journey. However long it takes them to get there, then they go to Herod. However long it takes them to find Jesus, then they find Jesus. How long did they spend with him? How long did they spend with him? It doesn't seem like the scriptures indicate that they spent very much time with him at all. It's almost like they came, they said, yep, there he is, gave their gifts, worshipped him, adored him, praised him, spent that moment with God at the feet of baby Jesus, and then they got back on their way on their journey home. They waited their whole life they journeyed miles from their home, days, potentially weeks, for a moment. For a moment. Oh, come. focused on Christ's arrival, all for what he had to do for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, the whole purpose of his coming here, God's original plan. Let us bow in prayer for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for coming, sending your son to this earth so that we could see firsthand how we should live how we should treat others, what your desired intent was for each of us. We're grateful for the sacrifice that was made. We're sorry that it had to be made, but you knowing that it must have been made took care of it for us. Father, we just ask that you help us focus on that sacrifice, what it means for us, the lessons that were imparted to us, the gift that was given to us, the gift of the knowledge of how to be, how to act, how to simply be a reflection of your goodness and your greatness. So Father, as always, help us look towards your light, take your lessons, impart them in ourselves, reflect your love, your grace, the gifts that you have given us so that others can see them. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for sacrificing for us. And all these things we ask, Jesus' name, amen.
Let us continue in prayer for the cup. Born in a manger for us. Lowliest birth that you could possibly have. Most glorious way out. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are humbled by the display of love for the punishment that was endured, for the blood that was spilled, for the forgiveness of our sins, for an ungrateful group of people not fully understanding the gift that was being given to them at the time. Let us not ever become that people. Let's let us always remember the sacrifice that was made, the love that was displayed, and the grace that has been offered. Let us never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. There are collection boxes at the back of the church building that you can put your offering in as you, as you leave today. But let us give thanks for that offering. Dear Heavenly Father, we approach your throne again, grateful that we live in this nation where we get to celebrate Christmas with a lot of material blessings of the good bounty that you have given us. You've blessed us to live in a nation where we're free to come together to worship you. We're free to use our talents and abilities to earn living, support our families, and enjoys, enjoy the life that you have given us. Father, help us give back a portion of the bounty that you have given us with gratitude. Let us give those gifts with gratitude to those in this area so that we can help this church further your kingdom and get the message and the word out and that we may be able to add a little bit of light to others' days. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. excited this morning and forgot that I didn't have any more slides left. <laughs> so I just wanted to share one quick thought. Man, it's so good to see so many of you. I'm just even picking up some of the other people out there. You know, many times people have said, why always the same sermon on Christmas? I mean, it's, there's validity to the argument, right? I mean, we worship God every day. We worship his birth. We worship his death. We worship his resurrection. We worship his promises. We hope in his promises. There's nothing new about this idea. It's what we do every single day. And I remember when I was young and in college, which now seems like a lot longer ago than it used to. And I remember um, figuring out 
like listening to all the good biblical scholars and, and reading all the different material and in and, and that moment where you realize, hold on. Jesus' birth probably wasn't in December. Anybody ever have that moment? You're like, what? We're celebrating his birthday and it's not even his birthday? And I remember also um, just you, you start to unpack this idea of Christmas and, and you can see like these worldly, I'll call them these, these worldly elements. And, and think about it. I mean, think about it. What is more Christmas than getting up the day after Thanksgiving to fight your way to every gift. Now we don't even do that, right? Now we just like, okay, Amazon's having a better sale. I'm not going to Walmart. They'll run me over for some Michael Jordan, you know, like stuff. Remember the last Black Friday I did, I almost got in a fight over a PS4 and I decided it was either Black Friday or my ministry. <laughs> but why? Seriously, nothing says Christmas more than the gifts under the Christmas tree, right? And people say, I don't like it because, you know, it's mixing this idea of, of like, like spin, spin, spin and buy, buy, buy and, and, and who can get the best sale and all the drama and all the chaos and, 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 and it's losing the meaning of Christmas. So why even mix Jesus into that? Right? Why, why even do that? And I remember having that exact feeling as a, as a young man and I was very... It's been years actually working in me to come to this, this point. And I, and I came to it several years ago, but I've never really expressed it myself personally. But here's the reality, and, and I don't know where you sit on, on um, either side of the fence, and I will tell you right now, the scriptures make it very clear, man, you can enjoy your holiday however you want to enjoy your holiday. You hear me? It's not wrong to do Christmas. It's not right to do Christmas. You just enjoy it however you want. You want to bring Jesus into it, make him the center of attention? By all means. In fact, I'm going to encourage you, do that. If you've read your bulletin, you will find many reasons why Jesus is better than Santa. But this is what I want to tell you. For those of you who might be on the other side of the fence, for those of you who might think, why this same Christmas stuff every single year? I'm going to tell you exactly why I do it. Because it's the one time in all the world, every single year, think about this. It's the one holiday that makes every single other person, not us, we think about Jesus all the time, not us, but every other person has to confront Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is connected to Christmas. Why do you think we're trying to go to happy holidays and take Christ out of it? It makes every single person whether they are fully convicted in God or not, it makes every single person at least ponder the idea, and not just any idea, the idea of Jesus. So I ask you today, 
Do you believe in him? Have you accepted the son of God who was born in a manger, but more importantly, died on a cross? And more importantly, rose from the grave and defeated sin and death on your behalf and on mine. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And for those of us who have, are we living in a way that people can see him through us? So it's not just a story. It's not just an idea. It's something that is live and living color in everything that they see out of the people who proclaim him. What will you do with Jesus this year? Maybe you've been on the fence. Maybe it's time to come home. Maybe you realize, just like William started us off with, that there's just something. You've been trying to chase the world. You've been trying to live the, the wisdom of the world that it's taught you your whole life. And every time, you just keep coming up empty. Listen, we've all been there. That's why we're here. We've all been there. Promises of this world are empty. Promises of God are full. Where are you at today? If there's any reason to respond, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Appreciate Matt. I appreciate Matt's message this morning. Um, like Matt said, if you've uh, heard this message a lot, remember the rest of the year we we teach the rest of it. Uh, this evening, Matt's gonna Matt's sermon I know is called uh, "Now You See Me." It looks at the resurrection. We look at a lot of aspects of Christ. We try to cover as much of it as we can in the Bible classes, including classes on why do I need Him and what will that do in my life. So come join us anytime. We hope to be very welcoming, and we we welcome you to join us. Uh, grab yourself a bulletin. I'll try to keep it short because I know we're like getting out a half hour early today. So that's we're, we're good. We're, we're early like normal. Um, on a prayer list today, I want to go ahead and highlight a few. But Mitzi's got pneumonia. Uh, I saw Mitzi's here, right? Mitzi's here this morning. She's here. Great. But she's got pneumonia. She won't be able to see us. She's off her cancer treatment until she sees her pulmonary doctor in January. It's a long time. I know with cancer, you wait and you hope, and it's tough. So pray for Mitzi for st staying strong. John Larson uh, with his eye and, and cancer with that. Um, pray for John. One more treatment to go, huh? No? Oh, one down, more to go. Sorry about that. I was hoping for the other way. So one's down, more to come. So pray for John. Pray for Sherry Ann. Again, it's, it's tough on the families too, so pray for all of them. Uh, Michael Brennan, Bertha's son, um, he is uh, off the ventilator and he's on oxygen. Um, they're taking out the trach too, so they're slowly weaning him off of that. So pray for the best, pray for the best on him. Um, we uh, also offer our comfort and sorrow with, uh, with Joe Vanover. She lost her, her little brother, her younger brother. I guess he's not little, but he's uh, her younger brother to, to cancer this past week. And uh, we pray for her. Pam Gertis, um, she had a cold that turned into, uh, affected her lungs, lungs affected her heart, heart put her in the hospital. Uh, I think she's home now. Her and Doug both have a cold. They don't want to get one anywhere else and they're home right now, so pray for them. And Charlie Griffin had eye surgery. He's always cool, but the sunglasses just make him look cooler. So, <laughs> so. anywho, um, that's about for you tonight. Tonight, Matt's message again is, now you see me and it's really on the resurrection, right? The book, he's booking it today. Um, on Wednesday night, we're doing our sup and sing. We do it on the last Wednesday of every month. So the supper part is at six. We're doing pub subs. Go ahead and bring chips, bring desserts, bring drinks. It's a great time. Uh, if you haven't done that with us, please join us. We, uh, we're typically at seven o'clock, we, we sing. We do multiple song leaders, we sing songs. It's, it's a great time to speak the truth, speak your love. Maybe it's just time to absorb that too. But come join us for that. Next Sunday, we're going to do, uh, next Sunday morning, Mike Shoemate is going to speak. Matt's going to be out of town. So Mike Shoemate is going to preach on Sunday morning. And Sunday night, we're going to do a devotional style, a little bit different. We've got two speakers lined up right now. Mike Wall and Brent Fitzgerald are both going to speak. We're looking at memories and uh, promises. So we've got a little time to look forward and look back at for the, hot, for the new year. And we'll also have songs and prayers along with that. Um, that's it. And for those of you who like to keep count, our count this morning was 176. Oh, I got a card too. I'm going to do that. We got a card from Barbara Ingram. It says, to all the ladies who sent cards of prayer to me as I am going through cancer treatments. Thank you for all your prayers and all you do to make me know there are people there for me and asking the Lord to heal. Um, I don't know Barbara Ingram. But I'm thankful for the, the outreach. I'm thankful for the, the power of prayer. And I'm thankful that uh, people are more and more relying on us to do that. So keep people in prayer with that. So let your light shine till we meet again.
Let's have our closing prayer. Great Father in heaven, holy is your name. Lord, your kingdom in order come in this world, Lord, please. Forgive us of any sins we may have committed, and we forgive those who sinned against us, Lord. We've all fallen short this year. Lord, we ask you, Father God, that you would lead us and guide us by your spirit this year coming up. Bring us back to, to together to meet each Sunday and hopefully Wednesdays as well for the year to come. We thank you, Lord, for the year and past that you kept us faithful. We, we, we kept the faith another year, Lord, and we thank you, Father, for that. We thank you, Lord, for the hope of heaven and the guarantee that you will be with us and through all our circumstances we deal with each and every day. We, Lord, we thank you for this time we had together today, the joy and the peace during this time of year. We ask you, Father God, that you help us to pay off the debts that we have incurred this Christmas. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.